Welcome to Fountain of Life Worship Center's podcast. We're glad you're here with us today. Today you will hear a message previously recorded from our pastor, youth pastor, or a guest speaker. Join us as we know God, grow in God, and go with God today. Let's jump into the message. He said that I'm hidden 
in a secret place of the Almighty, that my hope is secure and steadfast, that I have the mind of Christ, that I have peace with God, and that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Some of you need to know this morning that you cannot be moved. You've got the power of God inside of you, and you can defeat and overcome the enemy this morning, but you've got to start feeding this thing who you are and not who you think you are. Can we do that one more time?
it over your life this morning. opportunity just to, to assemble together this morning. and God, I thank you so much for this praise team who has taken us behind the veil and has set the, the table to, to eat manna this morning, your word. And God, I'm just thankful that your word is still alive and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And this morning, as your word goes forth, we, we declare that it will not return back to you void. God, our hearts are open and our minds are ready to receive. And we just thank you this morning. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen, 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 air high five somebody and tell them you are glad they are here. Now as you're being seated, I want you to, to think about this story and listen to this story. What would you think if I told you that there was a dad that had two sons and th he was just so full of pride at his two sons and his two sons were following right along in his footsteps and the dad was a minister and that day he was watching the ordination of both of his, his sons into the, the very same ministry that he was in and the young sons were passionate about their work. They were thankful for what they were doing and in that passion they, they decided that we're going to do something new and the result is not what they expected. God disapproved their new way, and he showed it by killing them on the spot. Sound like a terrible story, right? Sounds crazy. Can we go to Leviticus chapter 10? Leviticus chapter 10, verse 1. And Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took either of them his censer, and put fire therein, and put incense thereon, and offered strange fire before the Lord, something new, which he commanded them not. And there went out fire from the Lord, and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. Then Moses said unto Aaron, This is that the Lord spake, saying, I will be sanctified in them that come nigh me, and before all the people I will be glorified. And Aaron held his peace. Now understand the sons, the fire did not come from the brazen altar. This fire was not a type of Christ. This fire, the Bible says, was not even recognized by God. He said it was strange fire. Basically, it was a false worship. So church, we have to understand something. Worship is something that is particularly very important to God. In fact, it is so important that he said there is a proper way to do it, and it is in spirit 
and in truth. He said that when you worship him, you must do it in, war- in spirit and truth because he is a spirit. <coughs> now, God was, and he still is saying that if we place on his altar the works of our own corrupt will, he says the result will be exactly what it was in the book of Leviticus. It's going to be judgment. See, we, there, there's still a proper way. And this lets me know one thing as I read this and I read other stories throughout the Bible. Worshiping God is serious business. It is serious business and it needs to be taken serious and not so lightly because it's not something to, to play around with, Daffy. It's not something that we just haphazardly do. It's not something that we just show up and say, hey, I'm here to worship. No, I think worship is something that we should prepare to do before we even get here. You see, it's not something that we play around with and take lightly. God is serious about how we worship him. And we have to be serious about how we worship him. So many people are in church today and they're coming like the two sons of Aaron. They're coming to the church and they're just saying, I'm going to worship you on my own terms. I'm thankful that we live in a day of grace because I believe that's the very thing that happened to Nadab and Abihu would happen to a lot of people in the church today if God was still a God of Old Testament. You see so many people trying to come to God and on their own terms and we as, a, as Americans more than anywhere else around the world, the church, what we have done more than anything is we have declared our independence and we tend to have little to no respect any longer for the sovereignty and the authority of God. Do you realize that when you come to the altar, it is a place that fire should come down? Oh boy, I need my shirt on. But we're trying to come to God on our own terms. And, and, and again, we, we no longer look at God as a person of sovereignty and a person of authority. We have forgotten in the church how to pay homage and respect when we come into the presence of God Almighty. Matter of fact, I don't even think we recognize his presence that much anymore. We think just because we get a chill bump and a goose bump and a hallelujah, we think we're in his presence. I read in the Bible that when you get into his presence, the doorposts begin to shake. You see, worship has always been a point of disagreement in the church. You remember when the Protestants, the Reformation took place and they objected the worship of the the Roman Catholics. They said that it was against Scripture. Look at, I think, you know, the Ten Commandments. They should give us a lot of insight on how we should worship. The the first four commandments, we talked about this several months ago, but the first four commandments gives us our responsibility towards God. The very first commandment in the Ten Commandments is, you shall have no other gods before me. Oh, I'm going there. You see, have you ever wondered why that's the first one? Have you ever wondered why number one means that if it's number one, it has some level of importance. There's some level of priority when there's a number one beside of it. It means it's important. And number one is important. And look at God's word. He said, you will or shall have no other gods before me. 
Now understand this, the word before is especially important in this scripture because God is not saying you can worship other gods as long as you put me first. That's not what he's saying. Before me literally means in my presence. There shall be no other gods in my presence. Remember the song they sung last week. God has no rival. He has no equal. There are no other gods that are even in his presence. Oh, yeah. Now, the last time I checked, God is everywhere. God is everywhere. So, basically, God was saying, Happy, he said, I will not tolerate any other gods. None of them have a capital G but me. None of them. Romans, the very first chapter, Paul talks about God from the beginning of creation. And he said he revealed himself plainly in nature. And the Bible says that, that, that God, uh, God unveiled his power and his authority. Uh, he unveiled his deity. And Paul was declaring that in every moment of our life that you and I, we are in an audience of God. Get what I just said. Every aspect of your life, everywhere you are, you are in the audience of God. And God said, I will not tolerate any other gods in my presence. Oh, boy. You see, culture has begun to tell us that, you know, to take the knowledge of God and what God reveals to us and what the Word reveals to us. And, the, and society and culture is saying, Randy, take that and suppress it and hide it. It has no place in our culture any longer. As a matter of fact, why don't you just ex exchange what you've learned in the Bible, why don't you just take that and exchange it from the lies I'm going to give you? Worship the creation rather than the creator. <laughs> Paul even goes on to say that man sins because we know God, but Adam, we don't honor him as God. Instead, we engage in idolatry. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. For God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened professing themselves to be wise. Does that not sound like the America we live in? They became fools, and they changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to a corruptible man and to the birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own flesh to dishonor their own bodies between themselves who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creation who is blessed forever. Amen. Now, this is why God gave us the first commandment. 
so that we would not substitute an idol for God's truth. Now, remember the word says to know the truth, and the truth sets us free. You cannot be free if you don't know the truth. When we think about or we talk about worship, we have to remember one important factor and understand that our God is a jealous God. And he said, I will not tolerate any other gods in my presence. He requires us to honor, to glorify, to worship him in the way that he commands and not the way that we prefer. I just stepped on all of our toes. The way he commands and not the way we prefer. Because what we've done is we've listed our preferences and now we've made a God in our image instead of us being made in his image. And when we take and we don't glorify him and we don't honor him and we don't worship him and we make a God in our own image, what we've done is we made the big G a little G. Oh, that's why we got a lot of people going around now saying, well, that don't offend me, that don't, you know, don't judge me, don't do this because I don't believe God would think that and I don't believe God would do that. That's your problem, you think. We think, and God's demanding us to worship him based on his word. Not our ideas. Ideas will get, get the flame of fire down on you and burn you on the altar. I have to understand, you have to understand that before we can understand any other aspect about worship, we have to realize that we have to remove idolatry. Because what idolatry does, it produces a substitute God. Angie hit on this a little Sunday night, and if you weren't here, you missed a good word. But I know we don't have any wood or stone or golden images anywhere. But when you and I begin to pluck away at the attributes of God that we don't like, Y'all don't do that, right? But when we start taking and say, I don't like that, but man, I love this. I love grace, but I don't like holiness. What we're doing is we're creating a God in our own image, and it's becoming idolatry. You see, when I can pick and choose what I like and don't like about God, I'm creating a God in my image and not the true God. You see, when we pick and choose what we like about God and we toss away the important facts, you see, it's easy, Happy, to worship love, grace, and mercy. Oh, we love that, man. Preach on, preacher. We love that God. But we don't like to hear about the holiness God. We don't love to hear about the just God. We don't like to hear about the wrath of God. Oh, that ain't the God I serve. Woo, no way. Mine's love, grace, and mercy. And if you start that holiness stuff and that just stuff and that wrath stuff, you're judging me, Pastor. Oh, boy. We create an idol. And that's what we've done in our churches. That's why we got a doctrine that's being preached in most churches today, and I call it greasy grace. We've demeaned grace. 
and we've, we've created this love, grace, and mercy God, but then when, when, when God wants to correct us, well, that, you know, oh, Lord. We can't isolate aspects of God and be comfortable with it. When we do this, we create an idol because here's what I've come to find out. Angie, God is love, but Daffy, he also requires holiness. Randy, I have found out that God is grace, but Adam, he also is just. I have also found out, Miss Kimmy, that God is a God of mercy, but happy, he's still going to pour out his wrath. We cannot isolate certain aspects of God and get comfortable with it. We are there. Exodus chapter 20 verse 4 says, Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. This reinforces number one. The first two commandments protect and give us a guideline to worshiping in spirit and in truth. Which takes me to John chapter 4. Jesus has a conversation with a Samaritan woman at the well, and she says to Jesus in verse 19 and 20 of chapter 4, and John says, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and ye say that Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Now, we talked about this a couple weeks ago out on the parking lot, and I want to go a little bit more in depth with it, because after I did that, I felt like I butchered it. But the Jews and the Samaritans, they worshipped in two different locations. Jews worshipped at Jerusalem. They worshipped on the festivals. They did all these things. And the people would come to Jerusalem and they would worship. The Samaritans, they worshipped overlooking Jacob's well. But here she asked Jesus where people should worship. And here she said, here on this mountain or at Jerusalem? And as always, I love Jesus. He changed the direction and was not even going to answer where. He said, but how? You can worship anywhere. But it's how you do it. Verse 21 and 22, Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh. When ye shall neither in this mountain nor at Jerusalem worship the Father, ye worship, ye know not what. Basically, you don't know what you're doing. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. So basically what he said is, you don't know what you're doing when you worship. How would y'all like it if I told you all that? He said, you don't know what you're doing. The Samaritans, they've intermarried and with pagans, and now they're worshiping in air. Ignorance. Kind of sounds like the church today. When Paul comes to Athens, he's not impressed with their culture like everybody else is. They're uppity-up ways and all this stuff. Paul could care less about any of that. Paul comes and he says... I'm provoked in my spirit because I see a city that is so deeply entrenched in false worship. Y'all remember this story. He's given an invitation 
to speak to the philosophers at Areopagus, and he confronted these people's false doctrine in Acts chapter 17. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with the inscription to the unknown God, (laughs) whom therefore you ignorantly worship, him, Declare I unto you, God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made by hands. Oh, they got the same rebuke that Jesus gave the Samaritans. Both were worshiping in air, and he said, You're ignorant. God's not pleased with ignorant worship. Back to chapter 4 of John. Jesus tells the, the woman, he said, man, if this is not rooted and grounded in the knowledge of God, he said, but the hour cometh and now is when the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. Now, I love this scripture. I, 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 I'll preach on this probably a hundred more times before we we, we get out of here. Because I'm telling you, there's so much in this. But he said God was seeking worshipers. Now think about that. God is searching. He's seeking worshipers. Is that not what James tells us? Draw near to him and he will draw near to us. Seek And find, when you begin to worship, when you begin to seek, God is seeking for that. And guess what? The Bible says that he will find true worshipers. True worship, not false. Jesus said God is looking for people who worship correctly. What is correctly? God's looking for people that will honor him. God is looking for people that will accept him for who he is and stop putting him up and making him making a God who he is not. I mean, he's basically saying, put aside idolatry. What is God looking for? He's looking for some people that will worship in spirit and in truth. He said, God is spirit, and they that worship him must, must, must worship him in spirit and in truth. Must is the key word. We must worship him correctly. No more strange fire. Oh, boy. Remember she asked where? Where's the right place to worship? He was telling her, And he's still trying to tell us today that God's presence cannot be confined to a physical location. He's saying again, everywhere your foot steps, every building that you go into, regardless of where it is, you are in the audience of God and there I will not tolerate any other gods. Oh. It's not just at church, people. A lot of people believe I just go to church and I worship. No, 
If you are a child of God, it's something that we do 24-7. God is everywhere. And he needs to be worshipped like it. At church, at home, at Walmart, at work, at school, in your car. I'm stepping on my toes there. In the Old Testament, the prophets would say that people would show up to a physical location to worship. They were there in a body. But you know what the prophet said? He said they were there in the body, but their hearts were far from God. Isaiah 29, 13, Wherefore the Lord said, For as much as the people draw near with me with their mouth and with their lips do honor me, but they have removed their heart far from me. Basically, worship was an outward activity. We, we're good at that. Oh, us Pentecostals are real good at it. We know how to... Oh, man, they're spiritual. We'll run around the church and then leave and go run our mouth outside the doors. I ain't going to meddle. I'll go on. Jesus was saying spirit and truth. Not just an outward activity. Spirit and truth. I want my people, when they come to worship me, come with their hearts fully engaged with what they're doing. Know what you're doing. You cannot worship grudgingly out of a have-to spirit. The Bible says that I must delight myself in the Lord. You can not just say, I want to be in God's presence. You must want to be in God's presence. You see, true spiritual worship is when you offer God honor and you delight yourself in Him and you pray and you read. And we can actually say with a sincere heart, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. When did the house of the Lord become so grudgingly to get to? Oh boy, I'm going there too. Spiritual worship. Not just, oh well, it's Sunday or it's Wednesday. Let me do my duty here and go bless them with my presence. I get tired of hearing people say, I can worship at home. Oh, yeah, I'm going there. I get so tired of hearing it. I can just worship at home. That may be so, but true worshipers whose hearts are engaged will want to get involved in the body and worship together. We'll want to get involved in the singing. We will want to get involved in the prayers. We'll want to get involved and give an amen every now and then when the pastor says something good. Whatever part of the church service, true worshipers are getting involved. Worship in truth. We're living in a sad culture that does not put an importance on truth anymore. We live in a church age where fellowship and emotional experiences has taken over a true presence of God meeting. Get the lights right and the smoke right, get them to cry, and we've had church. 
Oh, boy. Church, I love fellowship. It's important. It's important for unity. It's important for friendships. That's what makes a church strong. I, I like it when we get emotional. I like it when you all cry. I like it when you clap. I like it when you shout. I like it when you dance. I like it when you shout. None of that stuff. There's nothing wrong with me. But listen to me. Fellowship and emotion will never set you free. That's what's wrong with the church. We got people that want to come and get emotional, but they never get set free. Truth is knowing who God really is. And he was revealed through his son, Jesus Christ. And he said, I am the way, the truth, the life, and no man cometh to the Father except through me. How can you say you love God and not care about the truth? How can you say you love God and not care about his church? You see, we're living in a day and an age where liberals are saying that God's truth is dividing our country. You want me to tell you why? Because God's truth unites the ones who are willing to live according to the truth, His truth. So, of course, it's going to divide a culture that is so entrenched in ungodliness. God is looking for people who will worship Him out of a heart that is informed of who He is. That's why people can't worship him in spirit and truth any longer because people have made him who he's not. We're living in a society that we've not prepared ourselves for worship anymore. We think that it's Talena and Steph and Katie and Lisa and all these ladies and David and Nate. We think it's their responsibility to lead us into worship. You should have been worshiping before you got here. Don't wait till 10 o'clock on Sunday or 6.30 on Wednesday night or Sunday night to be ready for worship. God told his people in Exodus, he said, come prepared to get into my presence. He said, and the Lord said unto Moses, go into the people and sanctify them today and tomorrow and let them wash their clothes and be ready against the third day. For the third day, the Lord will come down in the sight of all the people upon Mount Sinai. Basically what he was saying is, before you get to church on Sunday, why don't you get yourself sanctified and clean and holied up and get to this place that Talena and them don't have to sing 15 songs to get an amen out of us anymore. It's sad that it takes the third song to get us cranked up. You can't live like hell all week long and come to church on Sunday and try to experience heaven. That's our problem. We're cussing our neighbors, cussing our boss, flipping everybody off out the window that cut us off in our car, screaming at our wives, screaming at our kids. Oh, boy. Yeah. That's our problem. We got a church society that lives like the world and hell six days a week, and we come to church on Sunday, and we expect God to show up. We used to make fun of the Catholics for going to confession. We're just as bad. We live like hell six days a week and come and say our Hail Mary on Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock. Woo! 
God wants us to understand that before we can come near to him, we got to be ready. i got to be ready. Prepare myself to have an encounter with God. He said, consecrate yourself. Sanctify, go get clean. Wash up. Be ready. God's showing up on the third day. Basically, get rid of the junk. If we don't read his word daily and pray daily, there's no way we're ready for Sunday. Verse 16 says, And it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud upon the mount and the voice of the trumpet exceeding loud so that all the people that was in the camp trembled. When's the last time we trembled before God? When was the last time we feared His presence? We don't respond like that anymore. We have forgotten how to tremble before Him because we don't regard Him as holy anymore. And Moses brought forth the people out of the camp to meet with God. And they stood at the nether part of the mount. And Mount Sinai was altogether on a smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire. And the smoke thereof ascended as the smoke of a furnace. And the whole mount quaked greatly. Over and over, God has invited his people to come into his presence, to come near. But the, the invite requires what God told the people after the death of Nadab and Abihu. He said, and I'm paraphrasing here, he said, if you want to get into my presence, you better regard it as holy. God wants us in his presence we can come boldly in his presence according to Hebrews chapter 4. I mean, there is a great difference in coming boldly and coming arrogantly. Boldly means that you're still regarding him as holy. Remember, the Bible says the people trembled. On my own, I have no right to come into God's presence. Nothing makes me right to come in on my own. I can't pray enough. I can't read enough. I can't enter. His, the only way that I can enter into his presence is through the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 10, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, this is to say his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. The veil, he's not talking about the veil that was in the temple that was torn when Jesus died. The veil concealed the glory of God from our sight but Hebrews is speaking about the flesh of Jesus Christ that hid his glory the glory that broke through the mount of transfiguration when Jesus' flesh could no longer contain the glory Peter said in 2 Peter 1 for we have not followed cunningly devised fables 
when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty, for he received from God the Father honor and glory. When there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved Son, and whom I am well pleased. <laughs> and this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. The Hebrews mentions the high priest. Before Christ, the work of the, the high priest was to make it possible for people to be cleansed and to come into the tabernacle and into the temple for worship. But now the Bible is saying that Jesus is our high priest and he is in the heavenly tabernacle and he goes on behalf of the presence of God as my mediator and he's sitting at the right hand of Father right now as the high priest making intercession for us. None of us like approaching God with an uneasy conscience. Sin. Not my struggle. Not my weakness. Let's just call it what it is. My sin. None of us like coming to God when we know we got sin. Sin makes us want to keep a distance between us and God. Selena, if you'll come on to the piano. You remember all the way back in the Garden of Eden... Adam and Eve, the Bible says that they clothed themselves. They had a conscience. They realized, I did exactly what God told me not to do. I've got sin. Sin keeps me from wanting to be near. Adam and Eve, instead of rushing back to God and telling him, the mistake and, and embracing him for who he was. What did they do? The Bible says they ran and they hid and they clothed themselves. The New Testament tells us to come near to him with firm faith, full assurance, because our conscience are clean. We've all had our hearts sprinkled and were washed with the blood of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that Christ has taken the guilt, the shame of sin, and he made us righteous. I love the word of God. It says that our sins are covered in Christ's perfection, not ours. In fact, he said that our righteousness was as filthy rags. Today, because of God's grace, you and I can come into the presence of God boldly and full assurance. If you continue to read Hebrews chapter 10, it gives us the instructions for worship and it says, and let us consider one another to provoke and to love and to good works. Not, 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 not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. On every Sunday, 25 to 35% of our people are absent for whatever reasons. 
Some good, some bad, some straight up lazy and rebellious. Heard a story of a pastor one time. He had a member. Wasn't coming to church. And he asked him, he said, where have you been? He said, pastor, we just don't have any peanut butter. Pastor confused and just says, can you explain what that has to do with you coming to church? And he said, everybody's got an excuse and one's just as good as the other. We got a lot of people missing church just because they don't feel like coming. Church to me, it is a privilege to come into the house of God and worship freely. I don't want to miss. I don't want to miss. Well, pastor, you have to be here. We pay you. No, you pay me to be a pastor. You don't pay me to worship. There's a difference. And I'm here to tell you, God takes attendance serious. In fact, so much that he says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. Well, you don't know what that person at church did to me. Well, how about we consider one another to provoke to love? Here's my challenge to you. When you're faced with the choice of coming to church, which shouldn't be a choice, whatever you say to yourself, will you say this? Will you just say, if I do this, I'm neglecting the God who has redeemed me from the snares of my enemy. I guarantee you, if you said that a few times before doing whatever, you're going to say, I'm going to church. Don't get me wrong. I understand there's times you've got to have family time and you go to do that. But when you come to church one Sunday and quarantine the next 14, we got a problem. It said exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. When I come to church, I enjoy fellowship. I love to see you all. I love to hang out with you all. I love to pick on you all. Fellowship is especially important. I benefit, everybody benefits from encouragement, from love, from, from prayers. We have a responsibility to encourage one another. Pat's on the back. Good job. Happy. Good job. You, hey, he's, he's weeded everything. Joe Green, where you at? Good job. He's cut every blade of grass around here. Dimpy, good job. We need to do that. You, that's why people don't want to do stuff at church. And I ain't saying they do it for man's applause, but sometimes just a good pat on the back and says, you're an awesome worship leader. That goes a long way to say, Jacob, I may not see you a lot, but what you're doing on Wednesday night is important, and we appreciate you for doing that. David Bowling, you don't like it right now, but you're back there in a room with a bunch of heathen kids, but we appreciate you for doing that. It goes a long way when we encourage one another. Attendance. Fellowship. I believe they're scriptural. 
But all that, to close with this, the most important thing about worship, Leviticus 10.3, and before all the people, I will be glorified. Glory in the Hebrew means kabod, which means weighty. God commands and He demands respect from His creation. And worship should not be taken lightly. If we truly understand who He is and what we are in His presence, we'll be on our faces before Him giving honor and praise. As Selena sings this song, can we? I just want you to do what you feel like you need to do right now. But I think worship should be a priority. I think that God should be glorified in this place. listening with us today. We hope that you have been challenged, inspired, or God has changed you somehow or in some way by what you have heard. If you would like to learn more about Fountain of Life Worship Center, find us at our website at folwc.com, on Facebook at facebook.com slash folwc, or in person. If you have a prayer request that you would like us to join in praying with you, please head to our prayer page at folwc.com slash prayer and click the image that reads prayer request. If you'd like to support this ministry, you can go to our website, folwc.com, and click Give at the top of the page. Join us every Thursday for a new podcast. Hit subscribe on the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts to keep up with our most recent podcast episode. Have a great day, and God bless you all.